You're listening to a New Year's Eve edition of The Close-Up, the Film Society of Lincoln Center's weekly podcast series. This is Brian Brooks, Managing Editor of FilmLink Daily. And this is Eugene Hernandez, the Deputy Director here at the Film Society. On this edition of The Close-Up, we're proud to present a selection from our archive, featuring a conversation with Tim Burton from 2005. Burton's latest film is Big Eyes. Opening in theaters this weekend, it stars Amy Adams and Christoph Waltz. It's the story of the awakening of painter Margaret Keene, her phenomenal success in the 1950s, and the subsequent legal difficulties she had with her husband, who claimed credit for her work in the 1960s. So back in 2005, Tim Burton spoke with the Film Society's then-director of programming, Richard Pena, um, ahead of the release of his animated fantasy, Corpse Bride. During that conversation, he talked extensively about his work in animation on that film, as well as his 1993 classic, The Nightmare Before Christmas. They delved into technique and what he described as the magic of animation. Burton also recalled the frustration he felt growing up in Burbank, California. While in school, he was told his style of drawing was wrong. But at some point, he was sitting at the farmer's market in Los Angeles and he had a realization that he was simply going to draw the way he wanted to. So let's go to that conversation with Tim Burton from 2005. Thank you for coming. So Tim, if we go back, what is that, 12 years ago, after you finished The Nightmare, Nightmare Before Christmas, you looked at it, what were your feelings about that and what kind of things did you want to continue to do in puppet animation? Well, I mean, I just love the medium so much and, and from that, uh, was sort of interested in exploring more, trying to make something more emotional and kind of like, uh, kind of like a love story because there's something so sort of beautiful about the technique and so, um, you know, the handmade quality of it. And, and so sort of looking for, you know, another type of project to do with that medium. And, and uh, a good friend of ours, Joe Ramft, uh, who worked on Nightmares no longer with us, uh, had told me the idea that he had some old folk tale uh, called The Corpse Bride. And that just sort of made me start thinking about, you know, just trying to make kind of like some kind of love story with skeletons. <laughs> <laughs> What things technically were available to you now that weren't available to you in 93? Well, I mean, it's the technique is, the, the amazing thing is it's the same technique. So that's like since the beginning of cinema, it's, it's not much has really changed. I think the difference on this was the sort of sophistication of the puppets. Uh, on Nightmare, we, we, we used a lot of replacement heads for, 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 for expressions. And on this, a lot of the mechanics were just built into the head. I mean, they were really beautiful works of art, these puppets. I mean, they're really amazing. How big amazing. are they? Well, they're about a foot tall. Uh, and, uh, you know, the animators would have to put a wrench in the ear to make the mouths move and a wrench in the other ear to make... I mean, they're really amazing uh, construction on these puppets. And also, too, with the fabric, you know, just trying to find... Because, like, hair and fabric are really hard to kind of animate in this process, so trying to find the right kind of metallic fabric that would hold and still flow and it was, you know, but, but everything else, you know, kind of remains the same, really. Mm -hmm. So, uh, 
what was the first step in the process? Did you have a story written out first? Did you come up with sketches or S sketches? And you know, it was like again, ten years sort of before. A lot of it has to do with the team. You know, it, it, it's like there was a group of uh, puppet makers in Manchester, England, that I'd worked with, and they made they made these puppets and beautiful. And also, it's just getting the right team together. You know, it's still a somewhat rarefied. Uh, uh, field, and so I was lucky to kind of, you know, find a great co-director, Mike Johnson, and then we got together a nice, great team of people to kind of, to, you know, work in the dark for a couple of years for 12 <laughs> hours a day, you know. <laughs> uh, so a lot of it has to do with just finding the right team of people. Was it all shot in one location, one studio? Yeah, in East London, yeah. And, but the musical sequences, when did that occur to you to include that? Well, I mean, the, the form of animation is such a musical, even the way the animators animate, it's, some, it's like choreography, and so somehow it always sort of lends itself to music, and, and, and you know, Danny has always been an integral part to the, the sort of character of the piece, and, you know, it, when you add music to it, you know, he comes on very early so that the animators can, obviously with the piano and the songs, all, all have to be done first so that they can animate to it. And was there a certain kind of music you were looking for? Any uh, models of musical movies you were thinking of? Oh, Gone with the Wind for a moment. Uh, um, no, you know, you know, just Danny, you know, it, it just, you know, I used to go see his music in, you know, in Oingo Boingo in clubs before I was ever making movies. So, you know, he kind of, you know, he's always enjoyed doing skeleton music. So that's the best way you can describe it, really. <laughs> How much more of a role did computers play in this one than, say, in Nightmare? Not much. We really tried to keep it to a minimum. I mean, it's just really just a couple of effects, some smoke effects, and just some compositing. And, and, and uh, because again, you know, the, the point of it was to keep the f the purest form possible that we could. So we really didn't do much much at all. Is there much other puppet animation around that you admire, or people who work in this medium whose work you can recommend? Uh, well, unfortunately, there's not many, you know, I mean, it's just because, uh, you know, it's like I've heard that Disney's closed down its cell animation program, you know, and this sort of computers sort of, which is nothing wrong with computers, but I think the, the, you know, the studios have kind of relied too heavily on it just for the fact they don't, you know, it's basically because Pixar makes good movies. It's not about computers or, or things. It's, you know, it's, it's more about, so you hope that there are more, you know, open in the future to just all forms of animation. When you were talking before about doing a story with a lot more emotion, were you worried? I mean, I find the ending incredibly moving, and were you worried that puppets could actually bear that? <laughs> yeah, well, that was a great challenge. I mean, that was one of the things that we wanted to do, is see if we could make, you know, puppets, you know, emotional. And uh, a lot had to do with the cast. I mean, I really had a, we had a beautiful cast of of actors, you know, they just kind of, you know, it wasn't a, it was a fairly low budget movie, so nobody, everybody just kind of came in and did it, and, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, everybody would say, you know, voices are important in an animated film, which they are, but in this case, I felt like they really kind of came through and, and, and really added an emotional context to the, to, to the, to the characters that, uh, you know, that helped that emotional quality that we were going for. Okay. See if we can get some questions from our, our guests here. Yes. Let me just repeat it. Uh, 
this viewer said that before he uh, passed away, it, will, it would seem that Tim Burton was making a film about Vincent Price before he passed away, and what happened to that footage? Well, I still have it. I initially had trouble getting rights to some of the, 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 the film footage and stuff, and, and so it kind of just kind of went on the shelf, and also I, I was kind of in it, and I kind of hate looking at myself, so if I can find a way of cutting myself out of it and showing you know him uh, you know I'd like to kind of go back and kind of maybe re uh, revisit that you know yes hey this is Michael one of the producers of the close-up sorry to butt in here but unfortunately we didn't have an audience mic for this event so I'll be repeating the questions for you so this first one had to do with the color scheme of Corpse Bride which uses drab blues and grays to depict real life and more dramatic colors to depict the afterlife. Yeah, I mean, well, it was sort of the idea of, you know, making, you know, a, a lot of that has to, from growing up in Burbank, that kind of feeling of sort of, sort of drab, rigid, kind of, uh, you know, kind of repressive feeling society uh, versus the land of the dead feeling more as a sort of symbol of the sort of creative spirit and color and vibrant and and also too growing up in that culture where sort of death was always sort of a taboo subject and very dark and not to be spoken of and you know and you know there's a large Hispanic culture in, in Los Angeles which you know celebrates the day of the dead in, in a much more humorous you know you know, skeletons in pool halls and things. And, and, and there's something that's much more, I felt, feel, is, is more beautiful and hopeful about that sort of, and other cultures have that. And, you know, that kind of dark cloud culture that I grew up in, is just sort of creates this sort of climate of fear where you're just kind of worried about everything as opposed to sort of the celebration, which just seems so much more positive way of l looking at things. Yes. So the question here was basically asking Tim what his big break was. Well, you know, it just that's just that what you're just saying is I was just lucky to do what you're doing, which is draw and just keep doing your own thing. And, you know, a little bit of its luck, uh, I still can't figure out how it happened, you know, because I was a terrible student and a terrible busboy and a terrible waiter and a terrible, uh, you know, pretty much everything. So, you know, it's nice to kind of just keep to your passion and just do, you know, just do what's, whatever form, drawing, music, film, whatever, just keep your own passions going that way. Do you sense that there's a greater opportunity now though for animation and perhaps other styles of filmmaking in the industry or just around? Well, generally? yeah, I mean, yeah, because now you can do movies on your own phone, I guess, I hear, <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> yeah. So yes, those possibilities are there. This question was regarding the quote back-to-back -back production of Corpse Bride and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Well, it wasn't back-to-back, -back, it was sort of at the same time. Uh, I mean, <laughs> like I said, lucky, I was lucky to have a very great co-director, Mike Johnson, who was you know, in the dark mo most of the time for, for a couple of years. And uh, it was a bit schizophrenic, um, but uh, uh, in some ways it was convenient because it was all, both were done in London and, and like, you know, like with Johnny, you know, he'd be like Willy Wonka during the day and Victor at night, you know, and <laughs> and so, you know, the same with Helena and, and, and Christopher Lee, you know, so there'd be some, there was a lot of crossover that was actually sort of beneficial in a certain way, so. 
and also, you know, it's such a slow motion process. I mean, you know, you, you probably know the process. I mean, an animator might get six seconds, uh, you, you know, or we sometimes get several seconds a week or, or at most a few couple of minutes a week of footage. So, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a different process. Is there any material that uh, will eventually be on the DVD that's not here? Well, you don't do like take three and four with this kind of thing, <laughs> but, you know. Uh, I mean, sequences. no. I mean, there there is something that's quite nice that I hope it gets put on, which is just to see um, the actors. I mean, it, 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 I, it, it, it's not that we didn't do the, we didn't do the kind of slick DreamWorks kind of where everybody is in makeup, kind of you know showing them doing their voices. It looks more like sort of convenience store you know footage. <laughs> With everybody looking like crap, uh, you know, but doing the voices, and it's it's actually quite exciting. And there's some early tests where you see some of the armatures moving and things, which I, for me, it's the first time. You know, usually on DVDs there's a lot of crap, and this was this is probably the first one I can see that that I would find interesting. You know, that there's a lot of in seeing the mechanics of the puppets and all. I'm wondering about your conception for. Um Victor's parents. I mean, in a certain way, they, that seemed almost very classic cartoon for me in terms of the way that they looked and their relations yeah. and stuff. Yeah, well, it, 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 that, that was the thing. The the you know, it, it was like nightmare. Like for stop motion, like fantasy characters are much easier to kind of design because they're they're fantasy characters. I always find that human characters are more tricky because they're either kind of too realistic or, or whatever. So it kind of started out with sort of thinking. With the Victor character, you know, I sort of, sort of went back to the, the first short film I did, which was Vincent, and sort of thought of Vincent grown up, kind of, and that sort of helped set the tone of how to maybe try to to design, uh, you know, some of the, the the human characters, and and actually somebody pointed out, which I didn't think about until, you know, said. Uh, Victoria's father looks like the Burgermeister Meister Burger from so there's a little bit of Rankin and Bass in there too I guess you know. So this woman spoke about her daughter who is a budding artist. She described her ambivalence for art education, and wondered if Tim had some thoughts on the subject. Yeah, well, I, you know, I I remember feeling that very much, you know, because I, I you know I always remember like you know you look at children's drawings and all children draw amazingly, and then you just sort of. It sort of gets beaten out of you as you get older, and I, I remember going through that in school. Like, oh no, you can't draw like this. You have to draw like that, and and it, I got really frustrated at almost thinking like I couldn't draw. And I remember you know, sitting in the farmers market in L.A. one day and just being frustrated. And I almost had a hallucination where I just said, I don't care. I'm just going to draw the way I want to draw. And it really, it was like a moment that changed my life in a certain way. And and it was. So it, it it is something you know. You, there's lots of things to be learned, but it's also the thing of being again true to yourself, and it's it's a tough balance, but it's 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 something to remember. Uh, yes. This person asked, "What do you look for in a collaborator?" Well, I mean, a lot of it has to do with sharing a certain sensibility. I, I mean, you know, in every film, you always you never always work with the same people because you, you know there's always a bit of new you know, fresh meat or whatever, <laughs> blood or whatever you want to call it. But uh, so it's, uh, but you know, it's nice, you know, and like people like Johnny, it's always fun because he's always liking to, you know, he's more like, uh, 
you know, Lon Chaney or Boris Karloff than he is a leading man. You know, he likes to transform, and, 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 and so that's fun to deal with. You know, there's something that's very creative about that process and, and trying to do new things with the same people that you work with. Also, certain shorthand that, work, that helps because, you know, I do have trouble making complete sentences sometimes. So, you know, just wave your arms and they understand you. And so that's, so, so, uh, but, and again, on this particular case, I, you know, it's just I work with people that have great voices. And as I said, you know, I worked with, you know, Johnny and, and Helena and, and Christopher Lee and Michael Goff and, uh, but all of them, you know, Emily, you know, Richard Grant, Emily Watson, uh, Joanna, all of every voice I feel in the movie is just is amazing, you know. So they, uh, again, I was very lucky, and we tried to keep it. You know, I think a lot of people who do animated films complain because they, they do take twenty and thirty and forty, and because sometimes animators, I was where there myself, you get kind of very anal about things, and you kind of have to. So we tried to keep it kind of more spontaneous and, and, you know, so uh, to give the performances a little bit more life in a way. Did you ever do during the course of the filming any work with live actors to give you a sense of movements or? No, I mean, these guys, all we did was show them uh, their, their puppets, <laughs> you know, that's all, because that's all they had. So that I think has helped inform them of the character. But what was odd is that we designed these characters years before, uh, you know, we cast anybody, and it was sort of weird that you know that the Johnny ended up you know looking like the Victor puppet, and <laughs> and you know and and you know Albert Finney and his character and his voice just matched so perfect. You know, it's like it was a weird kind of karma that all the characters ended up kind of looking like who who they were. <laughs> uh, let's see. So yes, ma'am. Yes, right. This person wondered if Tim might write or draw another book anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, I'm always doing it, so it just is, you know, you know, I write it on scraps of toilet paper and, you know, matchbook covers, and when there's enough material, if there is enough, you know, yeah, so I'm always kind of doing little stories, and, you know, if there ever amounts to anything, I, I might do that, because I, I did enjoy it, yeah. Would Corpse Bride ever be released as a book? No, I think what we're going to do is just kind of, because the, the process of making it such a beautiful process, and there's so many great artists that work on it. I mean, really, you know, the, the animators, the, the sculptors, the puppet makers, everybody is, that's the beauty of it. You know, you know, you're in the movie industry, but then at the same time, this kind of brings you back to realizing you're still working with an art form. So, you know, we might just do a book showing the kind of process uh, of it, which I think... I think I would I find interesting and you know sort of shows the artists at work. Uh, yes, back there. Yes, ma'am. Right. This person praised the puppet's facial expressions and wondered if Tim could speak to the process of achieving it. No, as I said, what I was saying is the really it's the artistry of the way these puppets were built and and, and like, like I said, if you opened up, you know took off their faces and saw what was underneath there. I mean, it's, it's, it's like a, you know, it's like a human, it's like an android, it's like a robot. I mean, they really, and again, it's, it's something that we were going for, and I think it is the, some of my favorite moments are just when 
the close-ups and the characters are looking at each other and just the slightest eye movement, which you know just makes it so real and beautiful. And, and like I said, uh, if, if, uh, if, 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 you, if you saw these puppets and touched them, they're just so beautiful and tactile. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I almost wish I had one here. <laughs> I should have carried it with me always. <laughs> uh, yes? So this question was regarding the director credit on Corpse Bride which is shared between Burton and Mike Johnson. The person wondered how this film was more collaborative than The Nightmare Before Christmas, for which Henry Selleck had sole director credit. Well, uh, the easiest way for me to sort of explain that is that Nightmare, for me, was a much more completed, you know, completely fully designed. You know, it was something that was so clear in my mind, and, and it was so sort of fleshed out in a way that that that, you know, there was... I didn't feel like there was many variants for, you know, it just was very clear. Um, and in this case, it was a much more organic process. It was much more, I mean, we were kind of working on things all the way through and adding shots and writing things all the way through. And so it was, a, and it was since it wasn't sort of based on something that I had sort of originated like nightmare, it was just a feeling of wanting to feel a bit more sort of, uh, involved because it was a much more sort of uh, organic process, this, this particular project. Uh, yes, sir. This person asked how the directing process differs between animation and live action work. Well, I mean, obviously, just uh, live action is more immediate, so the decisions have to be a lot quicker. You, you know, I mean, it's, just, it's more spontaneous. Obviously, you know, Puppets just don't jump up and, you know, you know, six seconds, you know, for a guy to scratch his ear, you know, take a week to, do, you know, it's a, it's a slightly different process. And also, you know, obviously with animation, you storyboard it. So, you, you know, between Mike and I, you look at the storyboards. And so it's, it's much more sort of planned out in a way. So it's just... A, it, that's really the difference. I, I, I mean, it, you, you know, and the other thing is you don't do take two and three. I, I, I mean, you hope to get the shots. We maybe, I don't know, maybe reshot a couple of shots, but, but y y you know, it's, it's, but besides that, it's like, you know, you build sets and it's lit. And I think that that's what gives it the sort of simple power that it has. So in, in that way, it's like a live action film, but um, just, in real slow time, you know. <laughs> was it all originated on film on 35? Yeah, we, but you used digital cameras, which helped with, the, that was the other thing that helped with the animators. They could track their shots a little bit easier. That, you, you know, um, they could see where they were going with it a bit more. As in the old days where you just do it and, you know, take it to the lab and see, you know, oh shit, what, what happened yesterday, what, what, what happened. So it was easier to track. So that was a slight advancement. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. This person spoke about the trend of films being made into musicals and wondered if Burton would entertain the idea of Corpse Bride the musical. I think that's a problem right now is that there's too many, you know, it's like, uh, you know, when Harry met that <laughs> Sally the musical, Sleepless in Seattle musical, uh, you know, Stealth the musical. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, that's the problem, I think, that, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> Let's see, a uh, couple more. Yes, sir. 
So this person asked about Tim's preference for stop motion as opposed to straight drawn animation. Well, I mean, a lot of it really, you know, stems from growing up in the love of, you know, Ray Harryhausen movies or, or you know, every Christmas watching uh, the Rankin and Bass, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. There's something, again, that's very primal about the, that form of animation. And I, I just always, I mean, that's why I did Vincent that way. And there's just something about that that I find, again, just an ama amazing process. I mean, I think all forms are valid and, and, and they can all be beautiful. Um, but this one, for me, just has a particular, I just have a particular love f for it. I noticed that uh, Victor plays Harryhausen pianos. And, uh, yeah, well, it, it was like a few months uh, ago, or we were into the production, and uh, uh, Johnny and Helen and I went over to Ray's house in London and met him for the first time, and he's such an amazing man. And still, the, ma the amazing thing is that he's still not doing it, because he's still you know, vital and interested and amazing. And then you know, he went out to the set and, uh, and visited the animators on Corpse Bride, and, like, you know, I think production ground to a halt that day because, you know, people had been in the dark for like two years and then all of a sudden this Ray Harryhausen comes. It's like, it was, a, I think, uh, I don't think much work got done that day. <laughs> yes, right there. This question came from a student who was studying animation. He said that he has aspirations to make films and wondered if Tim could offer any advice. Well, I mean, I always felt grateful for a, my, you know, an animation background because it's basically film. I mean, you, you know, and the great thing about uh, why I felt lucky with it is that, you, you know, you, you'd have to draw the characters, draw the sets, do the storyboards, you, you know, shoot it. Uh, so you almost got the complete kind of filmmaking experience and also composition, you know, it, it teaches you... Um, so I thought, you know, for me it was a much better sort of complete film background than if you just had gone, if I had just gone to like normal film school. And, uh, y y you know, so I think it's, you're right to, not to sort of separate it because it, it's all kind of the same thing in a way. Yes. So this person asked about Burton's frequent collaboration with composer Danny Elfman. They wondered if Burton was a musician himself. No, I'm not, I don't write. I don't. I'm not a musician. So I mean, we've worked together enough. So he, he, you know, like I said, he comes in very early on a project like this, and and he gets it. You know, I mean, like I said, that's why I love working with him. And like I said, he was doing, you know, skeleton music back in clubs in the you know late seventies. So. Well, I'm afraid that's all we have time for. Tim, thank you so much thank for, you coming. for coming. Thank, thank you, you very well. much. Thanks. Thank you. The Close-Up from the Film Society of Lincoln Center is produced by Brian Brooks, Nick Kemp, and Michael Oatmark. Our opening music is by Steelism. You can subscribe to The Close-Up on iTunes and Stitcher. The Film Society of Lincoln Center is a nonprofit arts organization based in New York City supported by individuals just like you. Founded in 1969 to celebrate American and international cinema, the Film Society presents year-round programming recognizing established and emerging filmmakers, supporting important new work, and enhancing awareness, accessibility, and understanding of the moving image. To learn more about what we do and support the Film Society by becoming a member, please visit filmlink.com, F-I-L-M-L-I-N-C.com. The Film Society of Lincoln Center. Film lives here. <laughs>